0: God has uniquely created you, and there's stuff for you to do that he's created. It says in the book of Ephesians, there's works that he's created in advance for you to accomplish. So everybody has a purpose. Everybody has a mission. Everybody has a God who loves them and a family who loves them. And uh, we got work to do, amen? This is a broken world. This is a messed up place. Anybody in here been touched by this messed up place? in a way that messed your life up. I know I have struggled with addiction, struggled with addiction to drugs. I've struggled with addiction to pornography. I was sexually abused growing up. I wondered how there could be a God in heaven who lets things like kids get raped happen. I struggled with faith, I struggled with anger. But God has has shown me that he's good and he's shown me that he's working in this world despite all the brokenness. And I'm just telling you, if you're here and you're feeling lost today, Welcome to the crossings. You're in a good place because God is here. We were at a conference, like I said, a couple of days ago. I just wanted to show a clip uh, just for those of you that weren't present. Um, this is the worship that we got to enjoy uh, the last couple of days. Can we get that up on the screen? Where's Reggie? Reggie just had this set up back there. Did he walk away? Seriously? Reggie Cross. You can hear me on the intercom. If you're in the bathroom, I'm talking to you. Okay. I love that we have those in there now. I can talk to them on the potty. That's awesome. Um, Tell you what, we'll show that in a second. Let me start out. You've got some notes in your bulletin. If you want to pull those out. Uh, We're going to look at our first passage of Scripture. I want to start with communion today. Um, We take communion every week. Communion is something that Jesus uh, asked us to do. It's actually why, if you read the Bible, the early church, they met on Sundays. They met on Sundays because that's the day Jesus rose from the dead. And they would get together and they would celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive. He's God. And he actually allows us to have a relationship with God because all that sin and and stuff that we've done, Jesus offers us a way to get that forgiven and to get that taken care of. The way he does it is he sacrificed himself on the cross for our sins. He died because, guys, if we sin, it's like we got a death sentence over us, right? If you've sinned, if you've broken God's law, It's like you got a death sentence over you. And so uh, Jesus takes that death sentence and he says, you know what, I'll go do, I'll carry that out. You just go ahead and let let me take that death and then I'm gonna let them have my life. And you let me take that darkness and I'm gonna let them have my light. You let me take that evil and that unrighteousness. I'm gonna let them take my good and my righteousness and we're gonna call it a day. And God the Father, you can just treat them like they never did anything wrong, and I'm gonna come and I'm gonna take all this garbage and I'm gonna take it. And that's what Jesus does. And He doesn't just take it, He takes it out behind the woodshed and He whips it. He defeats it. And He lets us have fellowship with God like there was never anything wrong. Isn't that good? That's what Jesus does for you. That's what we get to celebrate every week. And what we get to celebrate whenever we remember we serve a God who loves us this much, that he's willing to give to us, well, it helps me be giving. It helps me whenever I'm going through the week and somebody's just being a turd. It helps me remember what would Jesus, how would Jesus treat them? Would he slap them in the face or would he do something a little different? It, It keeps me in check, right? It keeps you in check and I need that. I remember I've got a God that loves me. I've got a purpose in life. If I get up and, and today, just I just don't feel like living. I remember Jesus died for me to live. Jesus made a way for me. And as I'm going through my day, if I have that in my mind, <clears throat> it's going to affect my day. And it's going to affect how I treat people. It's going to make my life better. Whenever God gives us something, it's always to make our life better. Even, even if you don't see it in the moment. Communion. Guys, if you take this seriously today, there's a God who loves you. He died for you. He makes a way for you. What you do with that is up to you. You can take advantage or you can act like God's not important. That's up to you. Okay? We think the best life you can have is, is found when you make God important in your life the way he wants you to. That's how you have the best life. Let me pray for us. We're going to take communion. Guys, remember, his blood was spilled. His body was broken. The cracker, think about the body of Christ that was broken. The juice, think about the blood of Christ that was spilled. He died for you. Let's pray. God, thank you for your sacrifice. I pray as we remember your blood that was spilled and your body that was broken. Help us to remember you asked us to do this. This was your idea. We didn't come up with it. You wanted us to have a weekly reminder that you love us and you're willing to give to us. God, it helps us be giving. It helps us be loving. Help us be convicted as we examine ourselves this morning and take communion. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So this is uh, the conference that we were at last couple days. I just wanted you to see quick. Can we, is it up there? Okay, there you go. It's showing me something different on that. We're going to mute it, Uh, (laughs) but that was the worship that we got to experience the last couple days. It was so good getting with our friends. Um, We've got a number of churches, like I said, that we've planted uh, around the area here, and we've got teams from other places that are coming and learning from us uh, and doing campus ministry around different places. And so it's amazing, I, you know, I get the privilege of hearing a lot of stories uh, from these ministries and, and stories of life change, uh, and it's just really encouraging to me, uh, 20 years in, just to see God doing some, some cool stuff. Uh, and so I'm excited about what God is doing here, and, and we are planting a church, plant, forming a team to plant another church later this year. There may be people from here that go, I don't know, uh, we'll see, um, That's if you feel God calling you that way, let's talk. Uh, but we're going to be planting churches over the next, however many years, every couple of years, we're hoping to send a team out and we want to make sure that we're healthy here because we believe God, God's ministry is going to be bigger than just here. We want to have a really healthy spot here. We want to be seeing people's lives change here, but then we also want to be sending people other places. And so that's going to be an emphasis for us, uh, in the future and and now, um, one of the things that's going to keep us healthy individually and as a church is if we are leaning into the power of prayer uh, just fundamentally the way that we need to. We've been preaching through the book of Acts, and today we're going to be on the topic of prayer. That's where we're coming to in Acts 12. Um, the story of Acts is the story of the early church. Uh, the reason God gives us the Bible is not just because he wants us to have a storybook. He wants us to look in the Bible. We can learn what God is like. We can learn what his commands are. We can learn what his expectations are. We can also see how he's worked throughout history and and in the lives of people. And as we're looking at the history of our movement, the church, we see God doing some amazing stuff. Uh, We've already seen him uh, pour out his spirit in Acts 2, and there's that big miracle and all All these thousands of people now are coming to know Jesus. Uh, We see after that that uh, they went through this honeymoon period in the church where things were really good. Like everybody liked them when they first started. Everybody thought they were friendly. They're taking care of each other. But man, it wasn't very long before that uh, mood kind of soured in the general public. Because the, the, the world did not like what the church was saying. What, you mean we can't live however we want? What, you mean I can't do that, I can't do this? You're saying that there's some God that has an expectation on how I should live my life? Who, you know, you're crazy. That's, what the, that's how the world was responding to them. You also had religious leaders uh, that, that were opposing them because they didn't like Jesus. They, they didn't think he was somebody that should be listened to. So there's a lot going on. Um, we're going to see some drama today, okay, in Acts 12. Um, But you've got some notes in your bulletin. If you want to pull those out, uh, we're just going to start working through this, okay? Uh, The first point, like the Acts in church, if I want my prayers to be powerful, like the church in Acts, well, I need to understand, number one, that we and I have a reason to pray. Worded it like this, because prayer is something we do corporately. It's also something that I do individually. So on all of these points about prayer, these are things that can be practiced corporately. These are things that can be practiced individually and should be. And we need to lean into prayer because we should pray because of the strength of our extraordinary enemy. We are fighting a spiritual battle. Next blank on your notes. We need to pray because of the strength of Of our extraordinary enemy. Guys, the the Bible presents Satan as a real person with a mind, with a strategy. Uh, He's not presented as a metaphor for evil, he is presented as a person in the Bible. That's either true or it's not. Okay, I believe the Bible is true, and when God tells us something in the Bible, we need to listen to it. God says Satan's real. God says Satan is going to attack the church. What we see in Acts is Satan attacking the church, often through people. Now, that's the same way it works today. Often the church is attacked through people that are not on God's side. They're on the other team, right? Um, In Acts, the church is going to be attacked. We're going to start reading in uh, chapter 12, verse 1. Uh, It says, King Herod, King Herod, by the way, is a, a Jewish king. He's not a Christian. He's not even a good Jew. He's actually not a good man at all. Uh, But he was in charge. Uh, Now, they are under Roman rule, but he has power, okay? He has the power to to carry out arrests and executions and other things. King Herod got into his head to go after some of the church members, okay? King Herod uh, murdered James, John's brother. Now, that's easy just to read over. He murdered James. You guys heard of Peter, James, and John? This is James. Peter, James, and John. Out of the 12 apostles, Jesus called 12 apostles. They were his closest followers. Out of that 12, the three, Peter, James, and John were even closer. He spent more time with them than he did uh, even the other 12. And with John, he spent the most time. He was closest to the apostle John. It was probably his best friend. Peter, James, and John, though, were his closest lieutenants. Like, these were his boys. These were his inner circle. Peter, James, and John. Guys, James is dead. Can you imagine? We go plant a church, you know? And like Jake and Alameda. They, they take Jake and kill him. Can you imagine? Now, can you imagine how that would feel? They just, they just killed him. just took him and killed him. How would we be feeling right now if that had happened? Dude, we would be off. What a messed up world we live in. They killed James. This is family, guys. They've been together for years at this point. This is family. This is close. They killed him. Why did he kill him? Because he was going to make the crowd happy. King Herod killed James because he knew it would make the crowd happy. Who's King Herod thinking about? He's just thinking about him. I love this passage of scripture right over here. By the way, this is, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. We put that right by this baptistry. You wanna know why? Because when you give your life to Christ, you're saying, I'm dead. When you become a Christian, you're saying, I'm dead. What do you do with somebody that's dead? You bury them. That's what baptism is. Baptism is a death, burial, and resurrection. Just like Jesus died, was buried, and rose again death, burial, and resurrection. When you become a Christian, it's no longer about you. Otherwise, you're not doing it right. If it's just about you, if your life is just about you and you're worried about what you're going to get and how you're going to live and how you're going to benefit, that's just worldly. That's the opposite of Jesus. What Jesus teaches is when you give your life to him, you let him take the wheel. Just like that Carrie Underwood song that white people like. <laughs> Jesus take the wheel, right? I hate that song. Further evidence that I am black. <laughs> Let's check my ancestry tests. Uh... When you become a Christian, you let Jesus take the wheel because you're dead. You don't drive up to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, you want to ride along? Get in the back, Jesus. You don't say that. You don't pull up and say, hey, Jesus, here's you. Get in the passenger side, Jesus. That's not what you do. What do you do? You say, Jesus, let me move over and let me let you drive. Because this is your car. My life is yours. You drive. That's what a Christian is. How many people fake it, though? I have known so many people who have claimed to be people of faith that were full of crap. I'm just being honest. Some of the worst people I've known in my life have been people who would say they're Christians. Guess what that did to me as a young man when I decided I wanted to seek God? The last place I was going to go was a church because they're full of people like that. Then I encountered some people that were for real. And you know what? I was so skeptical. I didn't believe they were for real. I thought they were faking it. And I hung out with them and I spent time with them. And I realized they weren't perfect, but they were sincere. The world doesn't need us to be perfect. The world does need us to be real. So if you want to be religious and fake it like you've got it all together... Good luck. We just need these real people. Guys, King Herod was all about himself. He was a worldly man. When he got up in the morning, he was thinking, what do I get out of today? How can I have fun today? How can I have pleasure today? Oh, I want to go sleep with this woman. Okay. Oh, I want to beat this guy up. Okay. Oh, I want to cheat this guy out of something. Okay. That was, he was just a worldly man. He's just a prototypical worldly man. He is just like I have been in my life when I have had, not had Jesus in my life. He's not a good man. Some of you guys in here today, you were sitting in this room, and I'm sorry, but I'm going to step on your toes. You're not a good man, or you're not a good woman. And the reason for that is you live in a broken, fallen world. You've had all kinds of garbage happen to you. You are a product of your environment. It's not all your fault. You're, you're, You're in a messed up place. But what is your responsibility now is what are you going to do now? Because I'm going to share with you something today that will change your life, or you can just ignore it. But I'm speaking on behalf of God. And I suggest you listen. Because you don't know who you're messing with. You also don't know how good he is yet. But I hope you'll learn. Guys, King Herod did not know who God was. He did not know that God was good. It was not because there weren't people around him trying to tell him. Guys, his grandpa... Uh, is the same one that that carried out the genocide against Jesus. Whenever whenever he heard that a king was being born in Jerusalem, remember in in the Gospels, they had all the kids, two and under, uh, killed around Bethlehem, right? That was his grandpa. So you see now the product, the grandson, is going to come out. What's he going to do? Well, he's going to kill James. Why? Because he's all about himself. He had not learned this truth over here. He had not, he had not, he had not died and let God take over his life. So he's living like a bad man. He murdered James, John's brother. Verse three, look at this now. When he saw how much it raised his popularity ratings, he arrested Peter. Who likes politicians? Anybody in here just love politics, love politicians. People that sit around and look at poll numbers and say, what do the people want to hear? What do they want to hear? Right? That's, that's Herod, man. He's just. He's, he's, he's looking at the polls. No, oh, this is polling really well. We killed James. It's polling really well. Let's kill Peter, too. And so he goes and has Peter arrested during Passover week, a holy week for them. I'm getting a little echo back here, Jayton. Uh, he had him thrown in jail, putting four squads of uh, four soldiers each to guard him. He was planning a public lynching after Passover. So now, guys, James is dead. You're in the church now. James, one of your closest friends, one of your mentors, one of the guys that taught you about Jesus has been killed and now his brother is arrested. What's going to happen to his brother? Okay, they killed Jake, now they arrested me. What are you guys going to do? I'll tell you, you, have you ever felt helpless? Have you ever just felt like you're helpless? Like, there's just, there's nothing you could do. You are facing something that's insurmountable. That's how they felt. What are they going to do to the Roman Empire? Nothing. Herod had their backing. There's nothing they're going to do, right? What are they going to do against this power? Nothing. I'll tell you what they could do, though. What could they do, guys? They could pray. They could lean into prayer. Now, some people, that sounds crazy. Like, oh, what a cop out, Right. Because you don't know prayer is powerful. If you had access to the greatest power in the universe, would you use it? Well, let me tell you, you do. You have access to prayer. Prayer is talking to God. It's audible communication to God, or it could just be uh, communication in your heart, but it's communication to God. God is listening. The creator of the universe, the one who made everything, is listening to you. That's powerful. That's powerful. Are you taking advantage of that? I think, honestly, holistically, we are shallow as a church when it comes to prayer. Uh, and part of that is because our congregation is made up of primarily new Christians. Uh, a lot of you guys, you know, are just learning the Bible. Like, you don't even know the stories, right? Uh, and so you, we are immature. Immature just because that's where we are. Now, we're going to grow in that. One of the things we need to grow in is prayer. We need to be learning from guys like uh, some of our friends that are really strong in this. And that's that's why uh, conferences like what we went to over the weekend, that's why stuff like that's important for us because we've got so much equipping that is a need in our church just because of where we are. But, guys, prayer is one of those tools that is so powerful It connects you to the most powerful being in the universe. And I'm not saying that in a way where I'm overstating that. I'm just stating a fact. You get to talk to God. Now, if you feel powerless, if you're faced with something and you just feel like there's no way out, man, your best recourse is to to lean into God who has control. Amen? When I'm out of control, I get to lean into God who has control. I have sat on a couch and contemplated suicide. I've done that. Guess what I did in those dark moments? I leaned into prayer. I wasn't even a Christian yet. But just something innate in me. It's like, I'm going to try that. Right? I'll tell you that story another time. Prayer is powerful. It is powerful, and you can lean into it. It's available to you. So they have him thrown in jail, putting four squads of soldiers each to guard him. He was planning a public lynching all the time Peter was under heavy guard in the jailhouse. And I want to read this uh, next part of this verse out of the NIV. Uh, If we can throw that up, Acts 12, 5. Um, Next passage, please. Oh, we did not get that on there. Okay, that was the one I asked about earlier. Let me just read this. Acts 12.5 out of the NIV says, So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Now that's a different translation that's on the screen there. It says all the time Peter was under heavy guard in the jailhouse and the church prayed for him most strenuously. Um, In the NIV, the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Um while Peter was in prison, guys, Peter is in prison. Now, after James has been killed, what's the church doing? Praying. Uh, and it's important that you understand it was a constant prayer. It says the church was earnestly praying to God. It does not say the church earnestly prayed. It says the church was earnestly praying. That means ongoing while he's in prison. While he's in prison, he's going to die. What are they doing? The whole church got together in somebody's house, and they prayed, and they didn't stop. They didn't stop. Can you imagine, guys? Jake's dead. They got me in jail. You guys are praying. That's what it would be like. I'll bet you there were tears because they're grieving, right? James is dead. I'll bet you they were scared. I'll bet you they were holding one another. Man, there's, this would have been, this would have been, this would have been a day. This would have been exhausting. It says they prayed earnestly. That means fervently. That means uh, constantly. That means passionately. This would have been one of those prayers where it's draining. You ever prayed like that? That's what this would have been like. This would have taken energy, right? And so they're together, and they're praying. And what they're doing, guys, is they're engaging in spiritual warfare. You know, we don't think about the the demonic and the angelic, uh, but if you study the Bible... Prayer is connected to the demonic and the angelic and the unseen spiritual things that are happening around us. We've got a friend named Shadonke Johnson. Uh, he's a, it's funny that we even have a connection with him, to be honest. This guy is a, a very unassuming uh, African man from Sierra Leone. Uh, Shadonke has been responsible in the last 15 years for leading more Muslims to Jesus Christ than have been reached in the last 1,500 years combined. Hundreds of thousands of people in Sierra Leone, Africa, in the last 20 years, hundreds of thousands of people have come to know Jesus in that country, coming out of Islam. And Jesus is doing crazy stuff, like he's appearing to people in their dreams, and there's miracles, and there's stuff that's, there's things that we read about in the Bible that Shadonke is saying are happening over there, uh, where God is confirming his message and doing things. But one of the things that they do is pray and fast. And one of the things Shadonke will tell you is that you Americans, you need to think more about spiritual warfare. You don't think enough about it. You need to think about oppression and depression, and you need to learn some discernment, and you need to pray more. He he fasts and prays a, a good portion of the year. Uh, they've got a group that literally once a year they will fast for 40 days from food, like like they did in the Bible, uh, and they you know they are disciplined where they, they build up to that. It's not like they don't like wake up and do that, but they have fasted and prayed for so long. Uh, that they have gotten to where they will fast for extended periods as a community and pray. And God is doing crazy, amazing, miraculous stuff in that country. And he comes over here and says, you guys, you don't know the power of prayer. You guys need to learn. Maybe some of us should go over there and visit them someday. Anybody want to go? I'll go. Um, It's dangerous, though. You might get killed. Um, I'm, I'm not joking. They will kill you for your faith over there. So think about that before you say yes, okay? But we might go. Um, God is doing amazing things, And, and it's through prayer. And I think if we knew, Ephesians 6, 12, let me just read this. He says, our fight is not against human beings. It's against the rulers, the authorities, and the powers of this dark world. It's against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly world. Herod was not ultimately their enemy, okay? It's easy when you're getting oppressed to put a face to it, right? And and to see that as the... Ultimately, Herod was just a tool. Satan is the one that's oppressing the church. Satan is behind it. Satan is the one that's inspiring and deceiving and, and doing those things. This is a spiritual battle that they're engaged in. So when they pray to God... While while Peter is in prison, they are engaging in spiritual warfare. That is exactly what's going on. And guys, we need to remember this. We should pray because of the weakness of our very ordinary human flesh. A couple of different reasons we should pray, okay? We're weak. We are weak. They were weak. Uh, Whenever you spend time with God... As a weak man or weak woman, he has a way of strengthening you and giving you what you need to help you be who you need to be. It says in Acts 4.13, this is when Peter and John were dealing with the Jewish leaders. Uh, It says the Jewish leaders looked at Peter and John. They realized they were typical peasants, uneducated, utterly utterly ordinary fellows. And it goes on to say after that, but they realized they had been with Jesus. It says in the NIV that... They recognized these were unschooled, ordinary men. But they realized they had been with Jesus. When you hang out with Jesus, he will give you what you need. He will give you the power that you need. He'll give you the insight. He'll give you what you need. But we're weak without him. We need him. Uh, and any power that we have, guys, it, it all ultimately comes from God. In 2 Corinthians 3.5, five. Uh, Not because we think we can do anything of lasting value by ourselves. Only our only power and success comes from God. Our only power and success comes from God. Church, who does your power and success come from? You need to lean into relationship with him in prayer. Part of why this is powerful is prayer is relational. If you're married to your spouse uh, and you never communicate, how is that marriage going to go? It's not going to go very well, right? You have to communicate. Uh, prayer is fundamental. Like if I'm not spending time in the word and in prayer with God, I'm neglecting my relationship with God. Christianity is not about following a bunch of rules. It's about relationship. And if you will get that through your skull, it's not about following rules. It's about relationship. If I'm in relationship with God because I love God first, there's going to be certain stuff I don't do. Why? Because it upsets God. I love him. Not because it's some rule. That's different. If you just do rules with no relationship, you're just gonna be a religious jerk. But if you'll get the relationship aspect, that this is a loving God who I can connect with, man, that's, that's how you're gonna be healthy. And yeah, there's gonna be stuff you do and don't do, but it's not because it's a rule, it's because of a relationship. I love God. Prayer is fundamental to relationship, just like communication. If you're not communicating with God, You're gonna you're gonna remain in that weakness uh, because God's not gonna be in your life. You're not gonna be leaning into him. So you need to lean into him. You also need to remember God's in charge. We should pray because of the supremacy of our sovereign God. We should pray because of the supremacy of our sovereign God. I said earlier: if you had access to the most powerful power in the universe, what would you do? Well, you need to you need to remember that when you pray. You're praying to the God who's in charge, there's not another God. They don't have like an octagon where the gods go fight and they figure out who's in charge. There's just one. These paintings of Satan and God battling and it's an actual battle, that's not theologically accurate, okay? If you read the Bible, God's battle with Satan is not, oh, sword, it's, bing get out of here. There's no comparison. There's no fight, right? There's no competition. There's just God. You're either on his team or not. Satan is nothing compared to him. He's way more powerful than us, right? Demons, the devil, way more powerful than us, way smarter than us, but compared to God, nothing. Nothing. No battle. He's supreme. There's no competition. When you pray, remember that. Herod was powerful in terms of political and social might, but man, Herod compared to God was nothing. Nothing. It keeps going in uh, verse 6. Let's get back to our story and see what happens to Peter, right? Okay, so Peter's in jail. Church has been praying, right? What happens next? Well, then the time came for Herod to bring him out for the kill. Now, Romans, when they were going to kill, um, I don't know if Herod had an arena. He was not technically Roman. He was Jew. I'm assuming this is an arena, though, because I know Herod had people killed. So can you imagine coming to like an amphitheater or an arena, and they're dragging you out to chop your head off, and everybody's going to clap? Can you imagine? You're sitting in jail. Can you imagine how Peter's feeling? That's going to happen? Like, seriously, they're going to bring me out. They're going to chop my head off. And people are going to applaud. What a horrible, horrible feeling. But that's where he's at. So he's going to be brought out that night to be killed. He's uh, shackled to two soldiers. This is how Romans would put you under house arrest. They would chain you to the soldiers. Um, they did this to the Apostle Paul later. For a couple of years, he had soldiers chained to him. Paul said, "These, you know, I'm chained to these soldiers, but these soldiers are chained to me too." He told them about Jesus. They became Christians, right? Uh, we don't know if Peter was talking to these guys about Jesus or not. There's no indication in the text. He may have just been scared at this point. But he's chained to these guards. He's not going anywhere. But then it says he slept like a baby. And there were guards at the door keeping their eyes on the place. Herod was taking no chances. So there was a large guard presence. But then suddenly, suddenly, there was an angel at his side and light flooding the room. Okay, the church is still praying, guys. Remember, the church is still praying while this is happening. An angel shows up. The angel shook Peter, got him up, hurry. The handcuffs just fell off his wrist. The angel said, Get dressed, put on your shoes. Peter did it. He said, Grab your coat, let's get out of here. Peter followed him, but he didn't believe it was really an angel. He thought he was dreaming. Past the first guard, then the second. I don't know if he's invisible. Like they're just walking right past the guards. He must have made them invisible. Like I don't know, but there's no indication that they're even paying attention. So they walk right past the first guard, then the second. They came to the iron gate that led into the city. It swung open before them on its own. Notice that walked up, and the gate just opens like they didn't even have to push it. It just opens, right? And then they're out in the street, free as a breeze. Can you? St- wow! At the first intersection, the angel left him, going his own way. That's when Peter realized it was no dream. I can't believe it. This really happened. The master sent an angel and rescued me from Herod's vicious little production of the spectacle that the Jewish mob was looking forward to. Whoa! He's sitting in jail. And an angel shows up. It's like, hey, let's go. Come on. They just walk out. Who in here is the first time you heard that? Okay, several of you, right? Crazy! Can you imagine if this happened to us? And guys, I hear stories, like God works like this. I still hear stories of stuff like this. Just telling you, my friends on the mission field that are in places where you'll die if they find out what you're doing, I hear stories. God is doing stuff. He's still doing stuff. He's still responding. He's still good. And people don't know who they're messing with when they fight him. God's in the deliverance business. He delivers Peter here. Uh, David was delivered by God in some powerful ways and through some really horrible stuff. He wrote in Psalms 18, 17, God rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. God is a deliverer. That's one of the themes throughout the Bible is things get bad, but then God delivers. God brings us home. God gets us out. God takes care of us. We can trust him and lean into him. Secondly, if I want my prayers to be powerful like the church in Acts, we and I should relentlessly pray. We and I should relentlessly pray. Now this doesn't mean that you pray to the neglect of everything else in your life. This doesn't mean like, you know, some of the ancient people of faith would join like monastic communities where they would just go and live in a box and that's all they did is pray. They wouldn't even go outside. I don't think that's faithful, right? Right. I really think our job is to impact the world. It's to be out among the people like Jesus was. It's not to go hide and pray for life. Like, I don't think that's right. Uh, But I also don't think it's right to neglect prayer in life. And I feel like that's probably more where we lean, is we don't lean into prayer enough. So there needs to be a healthy balance, but prayer should really be a big part of our life. (coughs) Back to Acts 12.5, all the time that Peter was under... Heavy guard on the jailhouse, the church prayed for him most strenuously. I just want to reemphasize, the church is praying for Peter throughout this entire ordeal. And then when we see God deliver, it's in direct response to this prayer. All the time, the phrase all the time describes the constancy or the consistency of the prayer in this unstoppable church. It says all the time that Peter was under heavy guard in the jailhouse, the church was praying for him. All the time. All the time. That was a constant. They prayed consistently during this crisis. They also prayed. Now, this was a special crisis. Okay, so they're nonstop praying. Uh, But they also just prayed consistently. Jews, as a practice, prayed in the morning, in the midday, and in the evening. Every day. Every single day. That practice uh, carried over from the Jews to the Christian church. And so the church, uh, there were times of prayer where they would... In a disciplined manner, pray. But then they also would pray throughout the day, like they had these times of prayer where they'd spend a few minutes, kind of like a devotional. But then also they're just praying consistently as they're going down the street. God, lead me to the person I need to be led to. God, help me, uh, help help me do what I need to do. That's that's this constant kind of thing, uh, and that's something that you should practice too. God is always listening to you. He's always listening. Even if you can't say it out loud, like if you're at work or something, you can still pray in your head. He still can hear that. He's the only one who can hear your thoughts. He's the only one that knows your heart. Okay? You can pray in your head to him, and he'll hear you. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.17. You want an easy, easy memory verse? Always keep on praying. You guys say always keep on praying. Always keep on praying. First, I didn't mean for you to do it again, but okay. Thank you for taking the initiative. Uh, First Thessalonians 5, easy memory verse. Um, Always keep on praying. Consistency is key. Variations of prayer uh, or pray appear 31 times in the book of Acts. Uh, It is something that shows up a lot. It's something that they practice a lot. Uh, The word strenuously... Describes the intensity of the prayer in this unstoppable church. Uh, they were intensely praying. They were fervently praying. They were serious. They were emotionally connected in their prayer. This was connected to their passions and their emotions. And in James 5.16 it says, Tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. There is power in fervent, passionate Prayer, don't ever forget that church. We need to lean into this power. God gives it to us. And the church prayed uh, describes the unity of the prayer in this unstoppable church. Often, when we see prayer show up, especially in the book of Acts, uh, 90% of the time prayer shows up in the book of Acts. It is a together thing. Like when the church gets together, we are praying together. 90% of the time uh, prayer shows up in Acts. That's what we're seeing, it's not uh, individual. It is corporate. Now, it's good to pray individually, but one of our functions as a community needs to be we need to be engaged in prayer together. This is a powerful tool that God gives us. Uh, In Acts 1-4, it says they all joined together constantly in prayer. That's descriptive of um, the early believers before the church was established. That was what they did. They went to Jerusalem, they waited, and they spent a lot of time praying together. Pretty cool. We're going to close with this today. Number three. If I want my prayers to be powerful like the church in Acts, we and I should expectantly pray. We should expectantly pray. This is one of the things um, we see show up in Scripture. This is also, I mentioned Shadonke earlier, uh, our friend in Sierra Leone. This is one of the things he teaches about prayer. If you go and uh, listen to him talk, he'll say, you should, you should pray to God And thank him for his answer because he loves you and he's listening and he always answers. So you need to thank him ahead of time. God is good. And when you pray, you need to remember God is good. He listens and he answers. Remember that. So thank him when you're praying. Thank him. Now, I don't know what the church that was praying for Peter thought. Did they think God was going to do what God did? I'll just tell you. No, they did not. Because they were about to read how they reacted when they heard what God did. They didn't believe it. Um, They didn't expect that. But I think they did expect God to do something. Right? It says in Acts 12, uh, starting in verse 12. Still shaking his head amazed, he went to Mary's house. The Mary, who was John Mark's brother. The house was packed with praying friends. Okay, Peter gets sprung from jail. There's a house where all his friends have been praying for him and praying for him and crying and praying for him, right? Where's he going to go? Well, Peter's just going to go to that house, right, where all these people are praying. The house was packed with praying friends. When he knocked on the door to the courtyard, a young woman named Rhoda came to see who it was. But when she recognized his voice, Peter's voice, She was so excited and eager to tell everyone Peter was there that she forgot to open the door and she left him standing out in the street. (laughs) Uh, So here's Peter banging on the door asking to be let in and this girl hears him and she doesn't even open the door. She just runs back in. And what's funny is she tells everybody what happened and none of them believe him. Um, It says uh, she forgot to open the door and left him standing in the street. But they wouldn't believe her, dismissing her, dismissing her report. You're crazy, they said. You're crazy. She stuck by her story, insisting they still wouldn't believe her. They said it must be his angel. All this time, poor Peter was standing out the street, knocking away. Finally, they opened the door. They saw him, and they went wild. Guys, James is dead. They've been crying. They've been stricken with grief. They hadn't even had time to process their grief over James. And then Peter gets arrested. Taken and thrown in jail. He is chained to literally two big guys with swords. And then outside of his door, there's more soldiers guarding the door. He is not getting out. He's not getting out, right? The next day they're going to take him to an arena and they're going to chop his head off and everybody's going to clap. That's what's going to happen. But then the church prays. This helpless little group of people that didn't have any political power, they didn't have any military power, they didn't really have a whole lot of money, you know, they had enough to take care of each other, but like they weren't rich, they weren't powerful. They were this group of people that the world thought were a bunch of weirdos because of what they believed. They get together and pray. God makes the chains fall off Peter. An angel comes in there. I don't know if he's invisible. Like, we don't know exactly all the details. We just know Peter's chains fell off. He got up and walked out of the room where the guards were, Do you guys know what would happen to the guards if they let their prisoner go? They would be executed. Do you know what happened to all of those guards in that palace? They were all executed. We didn't read that part, but Herod killed them all. I don't think we did anyway. Herod killed them all after this. They would not have just let him walk out, but they did. And Peter walks out. And he walks right up to the house where all his friends are praying. He knocks on the door, and then the incident with Rhoda. If you get your name in the Bible, you don't want it for that, because you know she's going to hear about it in heaven. And I hear we're going to be there a while, so she might hear about it more than once. Um, Yeah, it goes from despair and depression to, to, like, can you imagine... The celebration when Peter walked in that house? Can you imagine how that would have felt? Can you imagine, like, if there was somebody that was in that house that was kind of on the fence and they didn't really know about this Jesus thing? Then they see this. You think that would have been convincing? People wonder why the church blew up the way it did in the first century. It's because of stuff like this. Guys, you don't go to your death saying he rose from the dead unless he really rose from the dead. All these guys are going to get killed because they won't shut up about Jesus who rose from the dead. And they kept telling people the same thing you need to die to yourself and give your life to Christ. He died for your sins, he's the king of the universe. He's going to come back someday and he's going to make everything right. His values are the ones that are timeless. His teaching is outside of time. It is eternal. You can listen to him or not. You get to make the choice whether you're going to listen to him or not. He says, but I'm going to give you signs for those that are seekers. If you want to look into this, you want to see if God is for real, I'm going to give you all kinds of evidence and all kinds of proofs and all kinds of things to put your build your faith up where you can put your faith in me and give me your loyalty. I'm going to give you the best life you can have. I'm going to give you the purpose that is worth dying for. I'm going to give you uh, just a way forward when it looks like there's not one. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father unless they come through me. You are lost without Jesus Christ. You have no purpose without Jesus Christ. You have no life without Jesus Christ. You can deny Jesus Christ or you can accept his rule in your life. You can go through life and you can halfway, half caught, be lukewarm, and you can waste your life or you can get serious. But if you're riding the fence stuff like this, God put this type of stuff in the Bible so you'd quit that crap. Cuz God God wants to give you a good life. Are you going to let him? Are you going to keep clinging to idols? Are you going to let him? Because the door is open. Um, this celebration would have been so beautiful. And uh, this is a celebration like when somebody that's lost, but then they get to come home. Guys, some of you in here, some of you are lost. Some of you, you you have run from God for so long. You have made excuses. You have leaned into bad habits. You have accepted things in your life that you know are wrong and unhealthy. You have accepted behaviors. You have turned to things for comfort that you know are bad. But God wants you to know there's another way for you there is a way forward but it's scary because guess what you have to give up control of or let me put it another way guess what you have to give up control (laughs) that's scary one of the hardest things I ever did was decide to get baptized it's one of the hardest things I ever did because I was uh I was into drugs, I was into um, just a lot of unhealthy things, I was deeply, deeply wounded because of the stuff that had happened to me in life, had a hard time trusting anyone, God included. It was very difficult for me to make the decision to become a Christian. The reason it was difficult for me to make that decision is because I was afraid of giving up control of my life. And I had made the decision that if I were going to do this for real, I was going to do it for real. I'm not going to be one of these people that makes me hate church. And part of that was my own immaturity and bitterness. But I was angry at the hypocrisy I had seen in the church. And I never wanted to be like that. I said, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to jump in with both feet. And part of why it was so scary for me is precisely because of that. I knew if I was going to jump in with both feet, it was going to mean I was not going to be in control of my life anymore because God was. And that meant there was going to be stuff that was going to be uncomfortable for me. And I didn't want to be uncomfortable. I didn't. Like, I I found, I, I liked doing the things that I was doing. I didn't want to give it up. But when I finally made the decision to give it up, It is so weird how I clung to control and I clung to control and I clung to control and I didn't want to get. And man, when I finally just decided, you know what, it's time. When I finally just gave it up on Father's Day in 2004, I went to that church service. And and I got up in front of that church after the preacher was done. And I said, I want to get baptized today. And I want to do it in front of a big group of people because I want you guys to hold me accountable. That's what I said. And, and I, I went and was baptized. And you guys know me. I am not perfect. Okay? I'm a mess. But I gave up control that day. And it was like a weight was lifted off me. And I still struggle. I still, man, that, I, still, I used drugs after that. I got drunk after that. I slept with a girl uh, that week. Like, I felt, like that week, I messed up. That's how messed up I was, but I repented. And and what God wants you to know is you're never gonna be perfect. You're not gonna be, that's why we need Jesus because he is perfect, but there is a difference between trying to honor God with your life and just not giving a crap. There's a difference. You can try to honor God with your life and you can stumble and you can do it imperfectly and you can be right with God, and that is a different life than just ignoring God and, and acting like, oh, that church stuff, that ain't that important. I, I pray. You know, I believe there's a God. I pray. I, you know how, how many times I hear that? That's like the, like the go to. Well, I believe in God and I pray. Okay, well, great. Right. Did you look at what God said about any? God's expectations of you are you're way higher than you believe in Him and you pray. If that's where you're at, you need to look at what God says. Okay? Part of what we try to do here at the crossings <coughs> is just get people to think about what God says. And I have found if somebody is seeking God, like really, even if they're just seeking him a little bit, when they start to hear what God says, that has a way of getting in their craw. Do you guys say that up here? I'm from the South. We, we say things like get in your craw. And what we mean by that is that, that that's like... Like, it gets in there, it's like a burr in your saddle. Y'all probably don't know what that means either, right? That's a Texas thing. It's something that doesn't go away. There's this constant little reminder. That's what God's word does to you. He'll mess with you. And what I like doing is I like helping God mess with you. Because when you get into a wrestling match with God, God tends to win. Open your heart. Okay? You want to take this to the next level? You may not be there yet. If you want to start talking about a relationship with God, you need to get together with a couple of our folks, and you need to open up the scriptures, and you need to to look at what God's word says to you. That's something we love doing here. Uh, We study the Bible with folks. The reason we study the Bible with folks that way? Because you need to wrestle with God. And when you wrestle with God, God wins. So if you want to start a wrestling match, we'd love to help you do that. I want to close with this today. Uh, This is a bullet point on your notes, but just some examples of prayer from this unstoppable church in Acts. They prayed in 242, and then in 247, we see the church growing. They prayed in three, one, and by the time you get to Acts four, four, we see the church growing. Three thousand and two, five thousand in four. We see them praying at the end of four. We see the church jumping again uh, in Acts six. We see the apostles making the conscious decision to make the ministry of the word and prayer their focus. We see the church growing after that. We see in Acts 9, Ananias leaning into prayer with God. We then see God using Ananias to lead Paul to Christ who became one of the greatest disciple makers and church builders besides Jesus in the history of the world. And then we see later in 16, Paul and Silas. We're gonna read about them in a couple of weeks, right? Paul and Silas are thrown in prison just like Peter was thrown in prison. And then God does something miraculous to get them out. Only before the uh, soldiers are executed, the jailer just decides he's going to kill himself. And so he has his sword, and he's going to kill himself. And and Paul is able to run and stop him and teach him about Jesus. And then he baptized that jailer and baptized their whole family. And that that became a church in that region. It is amazing. We see prayer. We see prayer. Christians praying together in Acts, and then we see God doing amazing things to grow the church right after every time. We see this rhythm of the church leaning into him, and then we see God doing amazing things to bless the the lives of people. I want us to be a praying church. God wants us to be a praying church because God wants to bless the lives of people. God is already blessing the lives of people. One of the cool things about the crossings, man, most weeks when I get up here, I'm introducing a new Christian or two. Uh, And it's so amazing to be part of a church where there's so many new believers and there's so many people in this room that are just investigating faith. I just love that. Uh, I want you guys to know you're in a safe place. There are no such things as stupid questions. If you're struggling with something, I don't care what it is. I don't care how shameful it is. I guarantee you there's other people here that are struggling with the same thing. Guarantee you. And there's probably people here who have struggled, and God has given them victory in some way. We want to connect you with those folks. So what we would like to do is we would like to get to know you. We would like to connect with you if you're visiting here today. Uh, I would like to invite everybody, members and guests alike, to pull out our communication card. Uh, That's in your bulletin. It's a cardstock piece of paper. It says the Crossings Church on one side. On the other side, it's got some spaces for you to fill out your information. Um, We ask everybody to respond every week whether you're a visitor or a member. If you're a member and I say, hey, get your communication card out, that means, hey, get your communication card out because this lesson was for you too. So if God is working on your heart and you would like prayer for something, uh, just indicate that on there. If you're one of those that are here today and you want to investigate faith or you want to talk about taking this deeper, indicate on your card that you'd like a personal Bible study or that you'd just like to talk with someone. Uh, what we'll do is we'll connect you with, uh, probably, if you came with another church member, we'll connect you with who you're connected with already, uh, and maybe they're a small group leader, but we'll connect you with a couple of people here in the congregation who will get together, and they will talk through some things with you, and a Bible study sounds formal. It's not. It's, it's you just kind of, you know, we we'll usually go out either at somebody's house or go out to a restaurant or something and just open the Bible, read a scripture, and say, what do you think about that? How do you you think we live that out? And then just talk about it. And so you're taking God's word and you're just applying it to your life. Um, That's how God is gonna change your life. It's through those relationships, it's through his word and through his spirit. You need all of those things in your life. Um, We have a lot of other stuff we offer. I'll let you look that card over. Uh, I'm not gonna repeat everything. Um, We've got a lot of good stuff here at the crossings to offer and we would love to serve you. We would love to get to know your name and your story. And, and we would love for you to plug in. Um, I'm gonna pray, and then our worship team is gonna come up, and they're gonna sing a song. During that song, you'll have time to fill your card out, uh, and then we'll sing one more song after that and pass some baskets, uh, and you can put your card in that basket, and after that, we'll be done. Um, so let me pray, and then the worship team's gonna come up. Uh, God, thank you for bringing us together today. Uh, thank you for the good conference this weekend. It was good just to get fired up, man, to be with a bunch of people that were really passionate and really serious about following you. It's been so encouraging to see all the people that are coming to know Jesus. It's just amazing the life change that we're seeing and the stories of cycles being broken and people getting off drugs and families getting back together and kids getting reconnected and just all kinds of good that you're doing, man, where you go healing and light and life tend to follow. We want to be part of that, too. Help us join your story and help us to remember it's not about us, it's about you, Lord. It's in your name we pray, amen.